1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause, the literal translation is because of this thing. Also thank we God without ceasing. Without ceasing means not all the time, but every time they thought about it. Does that communicate to you? You know, without ceasing does not mean every second all the time, but they just, every time they thought about them, they prayed. Because when ye received, and the word here received is the word paralambano, and lambano is to be manifested, the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received decomide it not as must be scratched he received it not the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which he heard of us that heard of us literally is a word of hearing one of the translators translates it when your ears received God's message word received it not when you manifested the word of God which you heard that word of hearing which you decomide subjectively received you received it not the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. I've taught you before that it sounded like Paul and looked like Paul or Silas or whoever delivered it, but that it was God's word. They used their vocabularies, they spoke it, but that which they spoke was the word of God. The people could have said, well, that's Paul speaking. That's just Paul's idea. They could have said, well, you know, anybody could say that. Now, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues in verse 13 on the receive, the lambano, paralambano stuff. But if they didn't speak in tongues, then what did they do? Play marbles? Had to be something class, right? Something lambano something lambano which you heard of us you decomite it not as the word of men for had they done it they could not have lambano but as it is in truth the word of God boy what a fantastic thing those Thessalonians indicate here and what a fantastic thing is indicated by these Thessalonians they could have said it's just a bunch of baloney instead they said it is the word of God which this word of God which effectually worketh and that worketh is that same root as energima or energekio energized, worketh also in you that believe. There is no question about its working 
effectually if we do one thing, what? Believe. That's the activating power of God's word class. In Isaiah 55, look at verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not, what? Return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper, whereunto I, what? Sent it. That's the activating power of the word of God. To people who do one thing, what? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word, the Logos, the revealed word of God is living, quick, living, and powerful, energetic, from energimato and sharper than or above any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, soul and life, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. The word discerner is critic. The word of God is the critic. Not men, the critic of the word. The word of God is the critic of the thoughts and intents of the mind, heart, mind. The seat of this life where you make decisions in your head. Class, it's the word of God that is the critic of men. Men are never the critic of the word. Men criticize the word. But the word says that's a bunch of baloney. The word is the critic of the man who criticizes the word. In James chapter 1. That's the activating power of God's word class. James chapter 1. Verse 21. Wherefore. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughties and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to make whole, save, completely whole, mental, physical, and spiritual your what? Souls. That's the activating power of God's word in First Peter chapter 1. Being born again, verse 23. Not of what? Corruptible seed, but of what? By what? The word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Or the living word of God which stands firm forever and ever. Born again by the word of God. It's the word of God that has the activating power. That's why he said, ye received the word of God which ye heard of us. You received it not as the word of men, because men's words in them have no activating power. 
The word of God makes you alive, baby. It's that word of God when it's believed that changes your life. It's that word of God that's the critic of man. Man's not the critic of the word. Who dares set himself above God? Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That word of God for the Thessalonians did four things that we have already read in the previous record. That word of God that worketh effectually. It turned them from idols to the true God. It committed them to serve the true God. They had the hope of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is number three. And number four, they had no future wrath. Effectually worketh. It worked effectually in them to the end that it turned them from idols. Number one, that they committed themselves to the sure and true God, to serve the sure and true God. Number three, the hope of Christ's return. And number four, no future wrath. Boy, those four things are fantastic. To turn you from idols to the true God. And they were committed to serve the true God. It said in the previous part of these verses and chapters, chapter before. And that they had the hope of the return and that they'd pass from death under life and never more come into condemnation and there's no wrath of God on them. One more freedom could you ask? What more could we ask than committing ourselves to serve that true God who did that for us? To understand that no matter what happens, we have the hope of the return and that we're never going to come into condemnation. No more wrath on us. That God is not angry at us. That we are at peace. That's what that verse is talking about. But as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh. And her gecko worketh. And then also worketh also in whom? It had worked previously in a man's life by the name of Paul. Silas. Now it worked in the lives of the Thessalonians also. Because the word of God, if it worked for Paul, has to work for the people in Thessalonica. And it's got to work for the people in Emporia. Same God, same word. The word believe is in the present tense. That is something that really sort of interested me. Because it marks it off as an abiding characteristic. Isn't that something? Verse 14. Boy, that 13 you ought to memorize. Run it out of your earbuds, But be sure to believe it. Because running it out of your earbuds won't help you until you drive it in your soul that you know it and you don't budge on it. Verse 14. For ye brethren became followers, imitators of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Jesus Christ. No. In who? 
said Jesus Christ, her Bible fall to pieces. They're not in his humiliation. They are in his glory. And the churches of God, which are in Judea, are nothing but twigs. That's what they were. Those were the churches he's talking about. The twigs in Judea and the people in Thessalonica were imitators. Imitators of the churches, the twigs in Judea. What were they imitators of? In the sphere of suffering for their believing. They did not cop out. They did not give in. They were imitators in the sphere of suffering for their believing. For the churches of God in Judea were severely persecuted. These people in Thessalonica were not just some stony soil hearers. They didn't flip out. They were imitators in the sphere of suffering for their believing like the followers in Judea were. The churches in Judea were the called out ones basically of Israel, Jews. For in the body to which you and I belong, there's neither Jew nor what. But the people of Judea were basically, and the churches of God which in Judea are in Christ Jesus were basically, quote, Jewish and a quote, converts. And the third point is in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to take the time to read it to you, but I said these were not some stony soiled hearers. They didn't flip. And if you want to see stony soil hearers, you've got to read Matthew 13, 20 and 21 and Luke 8, 13, where you have the record of the sower and the seed. For ye also, the people of Thessalonica, ye also, for, is like because, you also, you people of Thessalonica also, have is not in the text, suffered, suffered like things, like things of your own, what? And the people of Thessalonica were basically Gentile, and yet they had suffered like things as the people of Judea from their countrymen. Now, how does this happen? Very simple. The Jews of Judea persecuted people of Judea who were born again. Then they inspired the Gentiles to persecute the same. Suffered like things of your countrymen. Is there not a record about Paul suffering by his countrymen someplace in Corinthians? Where is that thing? Second Corinthians, that thorn in the flesh business. Even as they of the Jews, ye also suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have a scratch of the Jews. Because the Jews set the stage and then it began to permeate the Gentiles. Then the Gentiles began to 
persecute the Gentiles who believed in Jesus Christ. Even as they of the Jews, the Jews who both killed the Lord, even Jesus is the text. They killed the Lord, the Messiah, even Jesus, the humiliated one. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Who did it? The Jews. Paul was not stupid that it was Pontius Pilate, a Roman, Herod Antipas, a Roman, who gave the final orders, but who, who pushed? Who laid the groundwork for Herod Antipas and for Pontius Pilate to pass the orders as Romans to kill Jesus Christ? The Jews. Therefore, the responsibility on the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is laid squarely here upon the Jews. The Second Vatican Council, they voted that every one of us had an equal responsibility in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, somebody's got to be wrong. Either the Second Vatican Council or the Word. I have no problem with that one. That's right. I have no responsibility in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. I didn't live at that time. I have no responsibility in it. The Bible says the Jews of that time did it. The Jews living today have no responsibility. So let's keep the record straight. How can you be held responsible for a decision if you aren't even living? Boy, they sure get everything screwed up, don't they? Here's the word, people. Make up your mind. No problem with me. I know who gave the orders to kill him. So do you. Unless somebody deprograms you. You know it from the word. Killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. They killed their own prophets. The men of God, they killed them. I'll give you a few references. Matthew 23, 31, 37. Luke 11, 47, 48. Matthew 21, 33 to 41. Acts 7, 52. And have persecuted us, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and they please not what? Did they think they were pleasing God? Definitely. But they did not what? Please God. And what they did was contrary to all men, contrary to the law, contrary to all the law, but they did it anyways. They know the law, but they take it and twist it and turn it around any which way, contrary to what its original intention was. But they squeeze it around to please men and to hurt God and God's people. They please not God. Highly displeasing to God. If you're going to put it in the text that someone, I think it was Coney Bear translated that. Highly displeasing unto God, contrary to all honesty and truth, love, everything else. 
Verse 16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. The reason they forbade them to speak to the Gentiles because the Gentiles had not become proselytes, Judaism. But had they become Judaists, they still would have told them not to. You know, they're always copping out, always excusing, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles in order that they, the Gentiles, might be saved. They didn't want the Gentiles saved. They wouldn't have been so mad about it had they first become Judaists, had they been proselytes, but you know, that's what they said, but they'd have been mad about it anyways. That they might be saved. The word saved, it will be made whole. I didn't look it up, but pretty sure. What's the Greek word? Somebody tell me. So, so that's it. Be made whole. Made whole, physical, spiritual. Look at this. To fill up their sins always. Forbidding us to speak in order that they might be saved. To fill up their sins always. Which simply means that these Judaizers and these people of the Jews were just sinning like crazy. They thought they were doing right. They thought it was of God, but God's word says they were sinning to the hilt, sinning like crazy to fill up their sins always. Israel was blind and ignorant, blind because they wanted to be, ignorant because they wanted to be. Now, in some instances, in severe persecution is possession. Otherwise, it's they had their eyes blinded by whom? Satan. And they wanted to be blind. They liked to be blind. They liked to be ignorant. For the wrath has come upon them. The wrath that came upon them is that they have eyes that cannot what? See, ears that cannot what? That's real wrath. To the what? uttermost. That means to the end. The uttermost is the word talos, meaning the end of the end. I'm really thankful you don't have to read all the commentaries that are lodged in my head tonight when I read these verses. You would be so totally confused you wouldn't know your head from a hole in the ground. For when they talk about filling up their sins always, for the wrath that's come upon them, there are at least 15 different ideas the people have, equally authoritative by the great scholars. Just confusion. For the wrath has come upon you, they say refers to 70 AD, when the destruction of Jerusalem. Some put it at the time when, what's it say, when the Gentiles shall come in, the fullness of the Gentiles, that's the period. Somebody else says the return of Christ. That's just three of mine to think of. They got seven to 12 different opinions and equally great scholars. They can't ever agree upon them. To me, it's very simple. Let's forget the commentaries and read the word. Fill up their sins always. Just sinning like crazy. Why? Because they were obstructing the word. Paul, it told you that in verse 4, persecuted us, they please not what? And when you're not pleasing God, what are you doing? Filling yourself up with what? Sin. 
And they were doing that which was contrary to the law, contrary to what was set up by man to carry out the greatness of God's word. For the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost, to their end, the talos. Now, I think we need to set one great truth. Their end has come upon them does not mean that everybody of Israel is gone down the drain because God's word declared that he would not make a complete end. There would never be a full end of his people. There would always be a remnant left in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 4. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved, what? For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bands and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. But they shall serve the Lord their what? And David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore reverence thou not, O my servant Jacob. Fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord. Neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee. From what? And thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall be in rest and be quiet. And none shall make him what? Verse 11. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whither I've scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of what? There it is. But I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. In chapter 31, in verse 35, the word of God says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, who divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. That didn't happen. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of what? For all that they have done, saith the Lord but he never had to cast them all because the heavens cannot be measured nor the foundations of what? And in chapter 33, it's almost ironic that these great truths should be written in Jeremiah. One of the prophets whom they persecuted, like we read 
And yet that man stood and he spoke the word. Chapter 33, verse 20. Thus saith the Lord, if ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of night. In other words, if you can make the moon shine during the day in Kentucky and the sun shine in California at night. That there shall not be day and night in their season. Then may also my covenant with David be what? Broken. My servant that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne. And with the Levites, the priests, my minister, verse 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, the stars cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea, what? So will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. And I give you a further reference and I'll close with just one more verse. If you want to read about Israel's sin being full, yet not everybody of Israel being destroyed, you go to Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11 and verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own what? Conceitedness. That blindness or hardness of heart in part, not to everybody, but in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be what? Come in. And that's the return. That's the hope.